2: Oh, we're gonna have a good time today, FT Live. Who says August baseball is boring? Nobody. <laughs> Trauma, please. Scotty brought AJ Przinsky, you know Eric what? Kratz with you on stadium. Be careful what you say. No, I, before you even start, just be careful. Can you say baseball is the best? He's wearing the shirt today. Well, of course. Okay. I well, don't know.
3: I don't know. We're anymore. not talking about the White Sox today.
4: Yeah, right. They'll come up.
2: <laughs> 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 they won.
3: They won! They You're so happy! My soul. They crushed my soul.
2: Okay, so <laughs> I do want to respond to that, but let me just sneak this in. Ken Rosenthal in about 10 minutes. Mike Farron, who, who is on Sirius and used to be the Diamondbacks radio guy on the Orioles sitch right now, will join us a little after that. Ryan Yarborough is going to join us, now a new Los Angeles Dodger. And Brent Rooker of the Oakland A's will join us in our number two as well. And I'd like to charge the damn mound presented by Teza. Because I'd like to reply to AJ right now with a whopping, no, we cannot not talk about <laughs> the White Sox because MLB decided 10 minutes after our show finished up yesterday to put out the discipline and Tim Anderson gets six games. Jose Ramirez gets three games. Class A got a game. Some coaches got a game. You good with the suspensions?
3: I'm just confused. They both
2: fought. Mm-hmm. Who started it? Tim Anderson. Clear. So when you start. Well, a fight, I don't
3: know though, but Jose Ramirez True. He he went like, don't like, don't you do that anymore, little so technically boy. technically he might
2: have started it, right? I, I mean, mean,
3: you can make that case. Sure. Class A, I get it, the one game I find. He Let's, wasn't you know what they they were like, ah, you can take yesterday off because he pitched, blew the save the night before. Course. So like take tomorrow off, kid.
2: So if you were if you were running this, if you were Mike Hill who gives out the discipline for the league, what would you have done for those? I would have
3: done Anderson and Ramirez the same number. Really? Yeah, five and five.
2: Mm-hmm. Five because they both they both squared up.
3: They both were involved in starting and instigating it. They both took swings. And they both, one, one landed one and the other guy didn't land any. And maybe they were giving Jose Ramirez credit for his right hand.
2: They do get to hear things sometimes. Like if a mic picked up, apparently Tim was saying that he wanted to fight, right? Jose didn't necessarily say that guys chirp at each other, but didn't Tim take it to that next level? Like let's fight.
3: Yeah. But they both, it wasn't like Jose was like, no, no, no. I mean,
2: well, Tim drug, Tim went <laughs> boom. And then Jose went boom. If someone steps up to you in ready position. Yeah, I know. What are you supposed to do? I I agree. But I'm saying like, that's why they should have got equal for me. Should have okay.
5: been
3: equal. I'm not against it. And I'm not because people are gonna say, Oh, you're a white socks homer." No, I'm serious. Like, Tim, they should have got whatever it was because they were both equally aggressive in this fight for me.
4: Kratz, no? Agreed. Agreed. Uh Jay Ram could have easily, easily backed away. He could have not done, he could have not done the same stance as Tim did. He wanted, they were both very much instigating. I mean, and honestly, like you can say, like Tim tagged him, but there was, you know, there were some words from Hosey. So if you figure out who instigated it. Yeah, Tim instigated the fighting stance. But Hosey was the one who was like, you know, whatever, whatever he said, get off me or save it or whatever. I think it should be five and five. There's no, I don't know why they, they, they go six all the time. It'll end up being reduced down to four or five. But I think they
2: should have gotten the same. Well, they do the higher number because they know that the appeal is going to bring it down. No?
3: Yeah, but I, yeah, like Kraut said, though, I don't understand why why they weren't the same. I, I feel like they were equally fighting.
2: I, yes. MLB made the decision that oh. this is my guess that Tim was more he of threw the his instigator. Down and he went Southpaw? Yes. Let's go. When he should have flipped it, right? He should have. Exactly. If you've ever if you've ever taken a boxing class and you go
4: Southpaw and you are not Southpaw, you look like such a turd. <laughs> that first that first left big left is tough. Yeah, you can get some nice hard right jabs in, but you you get a big left in, and it's like, man, And it just, like, hits, and it's like, It's nothing. I'm just glad Eloy Jimenez made it out of it. It looked bad. It looked like he wasn't going to make it. You know, it's something we haven't even really talked about after the whole skirmish.
2: He's good. He's fine, I think. Do you remember what
4: happened
3: to him? Someone stepped on his toe? I, guess. I think he's
2: okay though. It right? was bad.
3: But if you remember if you see it
2: he's like Oh! <laughs> oh, oh. And he's <laughs> like banging the thing. He's like oh. We got to ask him when we bring him back on. Yeah. We got him again probably in a couple weeks. We'll bring him on if not sooner. So we'll ask Aloy what happened. Yeah, because he, he might bad. have also been pissed off just about yeah, the Yeah, but that, in that wasn't a pissed off. No, that was I'm out for another
4: 2 weeks. I thought he pulled a calf cuz he like Pulled his leg up and he's like, ah, yeah. ah, oh, oh, and then hey, he's in the game the next day. Well, he stayed in the game that day. Yeah, it seems okay. Oh, it was, it. it was that day. That's he right. He got a hit. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: he's okay. He's the fine. One, the one other thing from that fight that I didn't include yesterday because there's so much to get to is did you see Michael Kopech's comments? We're not going to get pushed around. I'm paraphrasing by some sub 500 team. Did you see those comments?
4: I saw his comments.
2: I mean, no way. It's funny. You are a sub-500 team. Um, uh,
4: Maybe he meant he wasn't going to get pushed around by his own teammates.
2: Mm, True. That's where Kratz goes next level for me. I love it. Hey, do we have a t-shirt? Do we have a cute t-shirt to show everyone for the stadium and the YouTube crowd right now? Oh, there you go. Down goes Anderson. Cleveland is a huge merch scene. Did you know that? Yeah. They love merch. They love like a fresh t-shirt with a phrase on it. Is Tom Hamilton wearing that to do the games? (laughs) He should get one. All right, so we'll see. Maybe we'll get to some Red Sox. I mean, some White Sox comments later. I'm done with the White Sox. (laughs) Let's
3: never talked about way too much this year. Uh, You're a White Sox (laughs) addict. I mean, I watch every game. I don't know why. I don't. I don't know why. I don't. At this
2: point, the season's over, so you do not have to do that. But But I did beat the Yankees yesterday. You still do
3: watch. Andrew Vaughn, nice job.
2: The White Sox probably are are getting close to the Angels in the standings, though. So there is that. That later. But anyway, let's spend two minutes on this, and then we'll bring in Ken. Kevin Brown is the Orioles' TV broadcaster, and he was a bad, bad boy. He's so (laughs) bad. He read a graphic on the screen Mm -hmm. during the TV broadcast that said a fact from the media relations department in their game notes that the Orioles weren't playing well for years against the Rays at the Trop, and then they were. What the fuck, Kevin? What are you thinking? How
3: dare you tell the real facts
2: in a game based on numbers? Thinking of Home Alone. Kevin! (laughs) Kevin's a great broadcaster. He did beyond nothing wrong. Like, less than nothing wrong. Like, this, what he actually said, because the Orioles' John Angelos being an asshole is no surprise to anyone. His father, he took it from him being an asshole to John Miller many years ago there There's a lot we can get to there, and we'll do this with Ken, too. But yeah, let's let's show the clip because I had to watch it m- several times, and I just I thought I was high. I was like, am I missing something? You could have been. Maybe. But <laughs> you guys watching decide
5: for the Orioles. Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark. play in, but the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three, and they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th. 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the chop this year after winning three of 18 the previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad race team. It's not like all of a sudden the race uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two. And the Orioles once again are back alone in first place.
2: How dare he read the graphic and read a statistic, a basic stat. So I'll give you one more piece here from Britt Giroli, who did an amazing job covering this. And shout out to Awful Announcing for breaking the story. Britt said, despite it being in the game notes, ownership took exception to Brown pointing it out, believing it made them sound cheap. Broadcasters have also been reprimanded previously for mentioning Orioles' past players who are no longer with the team. She added that ownership also has a new policy mandating that broadcasters wear only team gear when on air. And apparently they have to pay for that team gear themselves. And this is also why Brown, I think during that suspension, had to fill in on a radio broadcast. So another broadcaster, a radio broadcaster, got in trouble for a dress code violation. God forbid somebody saw him on the radio broadcast because radios for ears, remember. Also, I'll just throw in this note, the Orioles don't pay well. And that's that's all okay, I got. So there's for like now.
3: three things to start with. One, there, ha- I hope there's more to this story than that, Crouchy, because this is unbelievable. Two, this had to go through a producer, a director, a BA, an AD, PR, PR, Ben McDonald, who's his partner.
2: Fire everyone.
3: I mean, if he's suspended, and then this was actually positive. What he said, they're going to win a season series in the trough or something they haven't done in forever. So then, how was it being cheap? He didn't bring up money one time. It wasn't. It wasn't they should be like, "Thank you, Kevin Brown. We're going to win us." And they won the game, and they won the season series in the trough for the first time in forever. They should be pumped. If I'm the Orioles, I'm
2: like, "Hell yeah, this is positive." He sugarcoated it. I would have said, "The Orioles tanked for years, and look at us now. Ha ha! We're actually beating the Rays a little bit." <laughs> 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 That's why I'm here. <laughs>
4: I don't even, I don't know. I reached out to different broadcast buddies of mine that were just flabbergasted by it. I don't I don't know anybody that's not flabbergasted by it. It's almost like Angelos was like, he turned on the TV and he was like, I thought we were in first place. I thought we won every game this year. What is going on? Why would you guys be talking so terribly about us? I thought it was creative. Tropical depression, like the words, like just, it all worked out so well. and. They just, I guess, suspended him. They didn't
3: fire him, but man, I would. My love question to... is, so Crafty, he was suspended during this, but then they're like, "Hey,
2: we need you to work radio for us." Well, just because they ran out of people and they're not going to pay other suspended. people. He's suspended. Hey, I'm suspended. Yeah, but yeah. he's the the owner makes his own rules. Have we not all learned that? They they don't give a shit. So we'll so get I'm into suspended,
3: this. but they need me to help them. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to go help them. Like I would have been like,
2: no. Well, par- there's a problem here with many owners that that with teams right now that think that they can get away on the broadcast side with everything telling them what to say lowering pay or offering lower money for many broadcasters that are filling in for ones that they are replacing because you know what their mentality is and i've gotten this from people high up someone's going to take it there's so many people that want to do this job we can we can keep being assholes It's a a true thing. It's a true story. It's not for everyone, obviously. There were many broadcasters that spoke out great. The only
3: thing I'll say about this is, again, I hope there's more to it than this, because what we showed is not enough for anyone to get in trouble for anything. A lot of these broadcasters are team employees.
2: Correct. Right? They're paid indirectly through the team. Yeah, that's why they're so nice to the team.
3: They are almost always positive towards the team, which they should be. Yeah, You're a team employee. Yeah, but you I should I want be... my hometown guys to be a little homery.
2: Well, then that, that'll bring us to our poll and we got to get to Ken. So first off, uh, that was a strong, Ken Rosenthal, Ooh. ever heard of him? No. Uh, that was a strong charge the amount. He's suspended. Use discount code FOUL, F-O-U-L for 20% off your first order at teasaenergy.com. Get a little boost, throw a pack in, no tobacco, no nicotine, all that. Ken, hello to you. And let's just continue the conversation we were running through two minutes ago. When you see the story about Kevin Brown, broken by awful announcing, and then elaborate details from our friend, your colleague, Britt Giroli, what was your reaction? And I specifically also want to hear your reaction to the clip itself, because everyone refers to graphics that are like that every day.
0: Well, as for the clip itself, Scott, I had the same reaction you did. I kept looking for what the problem was, and there could be no problem. He wasn't criticizing the team, he was praising the team. So the whole thing just seems so odd and curious to me. But I've covered the Angelos' ownership of the Orioles for a long time. I was at the Baltimore Sun when Peter Angelos took over the team in 1993, I was at the Baltimore Sun when Peter Angelos let John Miller go after the 96 season, and I was a columnist at that time. And that was about John Miller not bleeding black and orange. That was the phrase. Angelos said, I want our announcers to bleed a little bit for the home team. John Miller was and is a great play-by-play man and someone who was direct and honest and did not sugarcoat but did not go out of his way to be negative either. So... He was, at the time, quite a popular figure in Baltimore, as you can imagine. This guy went on to ESPN, to San Francisco Giants, the next year, where he still is today, 27 years later. He won the Ford c Frick Award for Excellence in Broadcasting from the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And so when this news broke yesterday, it just reminded me of that whole thing. Now, that was Peter Angelos. This is John Angelos. But it's the same family, and it seems to me Unless we hear otherwise, and we have not heard peep out of the Orioles, this is the same kind of thing. The only difference is, what Kevin Brown is alleged to have done was far less than anything John Miller did, and John Miller didn't do anything. So that's where we are. John Miller bleeds black and orange. I don't
3: understand where they were <laughs> wrong. He, he went from the Orioles to the Giants. It's Halloween every day for him. I mean, it's been <laughs> Halloween every day for him for 50 years. And his stocks and shorts, it was the greatest. He's one of the best. How can how can the Orioles and Kevin Brown, I, I know he's coming back, what, Friday, they said? Or isn't yes, it Friday? Friday. This yep. week, right, Friday? Yep. How can he just come back on the air and say, okay, I'm back, guys, and everyone, because <laughs> the cat's out of the bag now, and the fans are going to tune in and say, oh, this is the guy that said good things about our team, and he was suspended. So, hey, welcome back, Kevin. We love
0: you. Well, I can't speak for Kevin, obviously, but... AJ, you do this job, and I would imagine Kevin gets back on the air, conducts himself as he's always conducted himself, professionally, and makes no mention of this, nor should he. He should just go out and call Orioles games the way he has and the way he's entertained fans and informed fans for his entire tenure there. This guy is one of the bright lights of the business. I believe he's 32 years old, and look at where he is. So, frankly, as others have mentioned, the Orioles are lucky to have him, And he'll go do his thing and be Kevin Brown. The fact that this happened in the middle of a season, their best season in years, at a time when they are peaking, just goes to show the level of pettiness involved. This is not what you want people talking about or reading about. What people should be talking about is the team itself, their performance. And yet that is not the case here. To avoid
4: this pettiness, should announcers not be paid by the teams?
0: Eric, I can't really speak to that, and in so many cases, the teams have an ownership stake in the network or a partnership with the network, and that's why they have say. And in a perfect world, yes, everything would be independent and people could speak their minds freely. That's not the world we live in. So what you're talking about is an ideal, and that is not something that's realistic at this stage. It's just a situation where, in so many cases, There is that strong tie. And yeah, the team does have a say over who its announcers are. And actually, if you think about it, AJ kind of touched on this earlier. It should because the announcers are so closely affiliated with the team. In many cases, they are team employees. I get that. We all get that. Doesn't mean you can't have an objective booth. The Mets booth, for example, they will clearly point out anytime they see problem on the field, off the field, whatever the case might be. Gary Cohen, Ron Darling, Keith Hernandez. There are other booths like that as well. And those booths have credibility. They are widely respected by the fans. The fans understand that they're not necessarily out there, the broadcasters, to rip the team, but they're going to say what they believe if a certain kind of play occurs or a certain incident occurs. That's what a good quality broadcaster does. The best teams, in terms of their ownership with regard to this situation, they understand that. They understand that a Gary Cohen brings you a certain credibility that a pom-pom waving announcer would not.
3: Ken, Hawk takes that personally, okay?
0: (laughs) Hawk's a different category. (laughs) Hawk, But I mean, we all love Hawk, and that's a whole different thing. And there's a place for those guys, too. Let's face it, and a lot of fans greatly enjoy guys like Hawk. And some fans, not all, but some, much prefer that. They only want to hear the good. Listen, free country, everyone has their opinions, that's fine. But when you have a booth like, for instance, the Mets have, it brings a certain credibility with your fan base and it elevates your broadcast, quite frankly.
3: Ken, that's why, as you know, as national broadcasters, when we go in and do a game... Everyone thinks we hate their team because we're not right. – we're giving both sides. We're saying, hey, they're doing this well and they're not doing this well. This is why they're in first place. This is why they're in last place. So You get it all the time. You know it. I get it. You get it. Everybody's – John Smoltz gets it. Joe Buck is famous for talking about it all the time, about how everyone thinks he hates every team on earth. And it's just, it's just a weird thing. But the thing for me is the Orioles aren't the first team to do this. There's been other teams that have done this. The Angels did it, right, I think. The Diamondbacks had a weird thing with their announcer where he didn't wear the right shirt and he wouldn't say the right thing. There's been more than, it's not just the Orioles. Are we too sensitive as owners and teams and too controlling of how these people
0: work? My answer would be yes. And again, AJ, when you conduct yourself as an ownership group in this fashion, and let's just stick to the Orioles for a minute, it reflects poorly On the Orioles, I don't know that there are many fans out there today who are saying, you know what, Kevin Brown deserved it, man. They stuck it to him and good. He shouldn't have said that. No. So who is the clown here? Who is the fall guy? It's not Kevin. It's the ownership. It's John Angelos. And ultimately, that is not a good thing. And I don't understand at times why owners don't see that, that there is a credibility associated with an objective broadcast that if they do interfere, it will be perceived in a certain way and not in a positive way for the most part. So I don't know the answer here. People are going to be sensitive. Owners in particular are going to be sensitive. I think we all understand that, but there's sensitivity and there's absurdity. And this was absurdity. John Angelos, he's just
2: like us. Not, not, he's the only (laughs) person who's looking at things that way. Last thing I'll say is what, what you mentioned, for every problem that you hear about that gets public, I promise you, there are many, many, many stories just like this that don't get out. And why do I promise you? Because I know them. <laughs> I've heard them over the years. We probably all have issues with the broadcasts and owners and and networks. And depending on what the situation is, things get touchy. But this partic- situation in particular is ridiculous. All right, Ken. Let's get to your article from yesterday. I wanted to ask for you to elaborate on the Red Sox running out of reasons to be inactive at the trade deadline. I've used this line many times over the past year. The Red Sox get weird at the trade deadline the past couple years. Why?
0: I don't know. And the article was basically a column saying, okay, they can conduct themselves a certain way, you can rationalize anything, you can justify anything. But at some point, as an organization, you have to push forward. You have to go not all in at the deadline, no one really goes all in except the Angels, we see how that's worked out, but make a push. And they have not done that under Heim Bloom, who took over before the 2020 season. 2020, of course, the pandemic year, you throw it out, the Red Sox were not a good team anyway. 21, they obviously went to the ALCS, but at the deadline, yes, they acquired Schwarber, but they didn't make a big push because they didn't feel their farm system was strong enough and it was an extreme seller's market. Last year, they kind of went halfway on selling, bought a little bit. It was a weird deal. They sold Christian Vasquez, traded him, and then did not follow that up by trading Ivaldi and JD Martinez, which could have gotten them under the Luxury tax threshold. So what are you doing? And then this year, I actually, looking at them compared to last year, the fact that they kept their guys, they kept Paxton, they kept Justin Turner, the veterans that they possibly could have traded, Adam Duvall was another one. And then they added Luis Urias, pretty good infielder. Okay, they were not in a great position of strength, 25% chance of making the postseason. But my point was in this column, at some point, stop making excuses and go forward. Now, they would say we have not reached that point yet. We're not strong enough competitively this year to have done that. We have not been in the past strong enough in terms of our prospects to do that. Okay, but you keep building, and they are building, and they've developed a pretty good core now. Well, what about next year? If you're only at 40% playoff odds, are you going to just say, "Ah, oh, this is a math equation? No? No, at some point, you play in Boston. You've got to go. And that was really the gist of the column.
2: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in zero sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
4: All right, from the Red Sox to our favorite team here, the White Sox. <laughs> Since AJ won't ask the question, what is your homer. favorite what is your He's a homer, yes? <laughs> what is your favorite part of this mess or most like just mind-spinning part of this mess? That's going on.
0: There's no favorite part. It's not a funny thing at all. The one thing that stands out to me, and I'll confess on this one. Last year, I think it was the end of August, I wrote a column basically addressed directly to Tony La Russa saying, dear Tony, it's not working. He was out at the time with his health issues. I said, you shouldn't come back. They're playing better under uh, Cairo. And just that's it. It hasn't worked. My understanding at the time was that LaRussa was a huge part of that problem. My feeling now is that obviously there were many other problems that a new manager didn't solve, that there were cultural embedded issues that have not been addressed. Now, LaRussa was part of the issue. Okay, that's fine. But man, it's incredible just how this has come apart. And what Keenan Middleton said, and what was backed up by Lance Lynn on this very show. It holds some validity, obviously. Two players feel that way. They're on the record as saying that. It's not being made up. So they talk about addressing their cultural issues. They talked a lot about it yesterday. They haven't done it. And at some point, they've got to figure this out and get better as an organization. Frankly, this is embarrassing, what has happened to them. And they too play in a large market. And here they are just kind of floundering around. So... I'm not sure I need to write an apology to LaRusa just yet, but put it this way it wasn't entirely him, that's for
2: sure. Did you have any problem with what Rakan said about Keenan Middleton's comments? Because he went into a story basically about how he said he wanted to come back next year. I felt like that part was either unnecessary or even a little bit of a threat. Like, obviously, you're not coming back now. And I will say, I give credit to Keenan for actually speaking out in this way. I know we had some, most fans in the chat were like, thank you for pointing this out. Things that we had all been speculating, right? But I want to make sure that players do feel like they have a safe space to be able to speak out when an organization in his mind is not being run correctly, spoke the truth, and then his other teammates backed him up. So I just don't want other guys to be scared because I do see this sometimes where players are like, I don't want to get in trouble. You know, I'm going to be a free agent soon. You know what I'm saying?
0: Absolutely. I know what you're saying. And what Keenan Middleton said was the exception, that line of remark. He basically told Jesse Rogers of ESPN what he thought about the organization, what ailed the organization. And of course, we all as reporters want players speaking out all the time, but they don't always feel comfortable doing that, which I understand. There are ramifications at times. I was surprised by what Rick Hahn said in response to Middleton, basically accusing Middleton of being part of the problem. Given the depth of the White Sox problems, it would seem to me the better course of action on Hahn's part would have been simply to say, he's entitled to his opinion. We have our own opinions. We've got to fix some things and not gone after the player. I don't know really why he did that. Rick Hahn's got to be frustrated too, no doubt. This is his team. He's put it together. And it's fallen apart. And he's had to take it apart through trades. But yes, I was surprised to hear Han say what he did. And even if what Rick Han said was perfectly accurate, that Keenan Middleton acted in his own way unprofessionally, it does him no good, in my opinion, to go after Keenan Middleton.
3: What What's the solution, Ken? I, I know as a White Sox, everyone knows I'm a White Sox fan. I I, I, I work for the team. I mean, I work. I'm an ambassador for the fans, and I do. I'm going up there this weekend to play in their golf tournament, and go to the game on Sunday, and, and talk to fans and talk to people up there. What's the solution?
0: I hate to suggest that people should lose jobs ever. I'm not comfortable doing that. I'll write about the possibility, but I don't want to say this guy should be fired. But something has to change here, and Ken Williams and Rickon—they've been there a long time and it's not working right now. So if you're not going to change management and Jerry Reinsdorf for all his faults is extremely loyal to his employees. If he doesn't want to change management, okay. But you've got to pursue a different direction. You've got to change the entire makeup of that roster. And it's not going to be easy to do. You've got some players under longer term deals, but you kind of have to gut the clubhouse and just start over. Now, whether that's with Rick Hahn and Ken Williams or whether it's with new front office, it doesn't really matter. Either way, in my view, it has to happen because this combination of players has not worked.
2: Good stuff, Ken. Appreciate it. And um, especially the, uh, the broadcast part of things, too, at the top. Uh, I, I'm dumbfounded. So glad we had you on today.
3: Next time, next time I work with Ken and he brings up something that we had already talked about in pre-production i'm gonna say well again you're suspended
2: <laughs>
0: good i'm sure you'll have a well, good time with this one more point guys mm-hmm. i love how the orioles are claiming it's not a suspension a guy is taken off the air in the middle of one of the best seasons in years he's a play-by-play man he's a young guy he's healthy he's just taking two weeks off come on don't further insult our intelligence
2: that's absurd it's absurd we're not (laughs) stupid like especially nowadays you Uh, can't get away with that shit. i'm telling you no thank you ken and enjoy your time i i I didn't even know if i wanted to say it but we're going to do the fair territory promo because we know aj is going to get on you but a well-deserved one week off of fair territory he did two last week enough enough Ken, enjoy the the short break before the big stretch after that thanks guys (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Fair Territory is up there for you on YouTube, on uh, Apple and Spotify. If you want to listen to it, it is fantastic. And it was released yesterday. You can find it in a variety of spots. and. Of course, Ken gets into the NL wildcard race, the Angels collapse, some post-trade deadline returns, and the White Sox fight, really, um, towards the top of the show. My friend Mike Farron, who you can hear every day on MLB Network Radio and who used to be a team broadcaster for the Diamondbacks, joins us right now to get into the life of a team broadcaster. Mike, great to have you on, dude. I know you're fresh off your show, so let's get right to it, dude. You see the story about Kevin Brown yesterday. I saw your tweets, and you've always been a big proponent of how to treat broadcasters correctly because it's not that hard. What was your reaction?
1: I mean, dumbfounded. Like, I Listen, I, we, there's been whispers for a long time about the Orioles wanting to control the message on what's coming out, but for something that innocuous to lead to him being removed from the broadcast was absolutely ludicrous. I mean, all he did was highlight – what the Orioles are doing now to be one of the best stories in baseball. And this, you know, this probably is something that if they had done it for like, say one series and just had them do the radio in Philadelphia, like we never would have noticed, but when it starts extending on and it extends to the weekend, when you're honoring the last world series team that, um, that Baltimore had the last time they won a World Series 40 years ago, the whole 83 team was back and your lead TV announcer isn't there for it. I think they drew a ton of attention to something that like nobody ever would have noticed anything about if they had just let it go it, it was an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous decision. It makes no sense. Um, and sadly, this is the only organization that I, I could see doing something like this.
4: What about the diamondbacks when you were with them? How how was that how was that relationship? How was you know everything that went on there?
1: So, you know, it's interesting, but I was listening to Scott talk about the poll and the poll results there. And I think that there is a lot of overlap between um positive but fair and honest. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is like as long as you're not a jerk in the way that you address things or a jerk to people you can be forthright and you also have to be accountable, right? If you say something that, and I'm sure you guys have been through this. If you say something or a broadcaster says something that you don't agree with, they need to be in the clubhouse the next day so that you can address it. Like those are the biggest things. And otherwise, like I was never told what I could and couldn't say really. Like maybe there were some hot button issues off the field that weren't, um, that they weren't excited to discuss, but it wasn't anything that would take away from the game broadcast that level of, and, and, Quite frankly, this is censorship on the Orioles' part, is very, very rare, I think, on team broadcasts. I don't think that very often there are meetings between um, the PR staff or the communication staff or the broadcast director and their broadcasters about what can and can't be said because – in the end, you're calling a baseball game, right? Everything in baseball happens out in the open. We all see it. We all know what's happened. We all have the internet. We know what the history is. And so to to try and take away the ability to tell the story, to help your fans connect, I just don't think many teams would, would do that. And certainly that was never my experience with the Diamondbacks. They never stopped us from saying anything. When the, I was there for 110 lost season, we were never told not to say that the team was bad. Everybody knew the team was bad
4: <laughs> and, and those those meetings you have are those meetings like about things that you did say? so is it like reactive things or is it proactive? and could he have could he have had a meeting where it's like Kevin talking about Kevin where it's like, hey guys, don't talk about this." but then everybody else missed the boat because they wrote a whole graphic on it and everything.
1: yeah, it was in the game notes too, right? Yeah. So I mean yeah, I think I would say that most of those. Meetings were proactive, but it was usually with a big story that didn't have anything to do with the team. You know, like, I mean, one example was, um, you know, when I was there, I think we can probably safely talk about this. Mike Hazen's wife passed away a year ago was going through treatment for geoblastoma. It was a very, very serious condition, right? So how do we address that? What can you, what are they comfortable with you talking about? What are they not comfortable with you talking about? Those things I think are important. And that's part of, you know, but in that case, that's part of being respectful to the to their family, right? So that would, I would say that most of those discussions were proactive in that regard. Every once in a while, someone will get called on the carpet for something that they've said. But, but what happens is, Ownership front offices disagree with broadcasters. They address it with them just like a player would with a writer in the clubhouse. And then they move on. That's how you do it. You don't take your broadcaster off the air and not call it a suspension for two weeks for pointing out that the team is good and that they weren't two
2: years before. (laughs) Mike, why is it so hard for some owners to just like very simply do the right thing that is so obvious and done by most of their peers for example, we've talked about this and you've been very vocal about this. Who is it? The Angels and the Blue Jays? Are they still right. not traveling their broadcasters on the road? Or was this something that went on for years and finally got fixed? Because I I honestly stopped keeping track because for a while it was a problem with many teams. And then it eventually yeah. went down to, all right, who's cheap as shit still?
1: Yeah, so the Angels and Blue Jays do not travel their radio broadcasters, which, and I think we've all probably done remote broadcasts in this, you can speak to as well as anyone, the challenges of it, and it's not just in calling the game, really the access is what you lose, right? You, You lose access to players to be able to tell stories, to connect your audience better to the product. So yeah, those are the two spots that, that I mean, they still stick in my craw. I mean, Rogers, who owns the Blue Jays and owns the radio station, is one of the biggest telecommunication firms in the country. And the Angels play in the second largest media market and have the two biggest stars in the planet. And yet you can't spend the the relative pittance it takes to, to travel radio broadcasters over the course of the season. I don't know why owners can't make that decision. I don't know where their um, their lines are in the sand for you know what constitutes good and bad spending. Um, I've never been in that position before, right? But it seems to be that the tens of thousands of dollars that are being saved. Are a bit ridiculous. And I should add this to it. I mean, as long as you're talking about owners being cheap in that regard, and that seems to have been, at least from Britt Giroli's reporting, what the Orioles' concern was. Remember, the Orioles didn't travel their television broadcasters to start last year and their radio broadcasters for most of last year in an effort to save those tens of thousands of dollars. And in the end, uh, my guess is that with the amount of technical work that had to go into it, they may have actually, they may be better off having traveled their broadcasters this year than not having done it. So, I don't know where those lines in the sand are. I think it's, you're devaluing your product. You're devaluing your connection to your fan base. You're disrespecting your fans by not giving them the best product possible. And I think all of those things are, are short-sighted, especially when you're watching this kind of baseball renaissance happen and you're wanting to try and grow your product. The best way to do it is to not cut corners on something that is so simple. Mike.
3: those two teams you mentioned the the jays and the angels now they might be the only ones that don't travel their broadcasters but there are a lot of teams now that don't travel their producers their directors they do them from home and they just send their broadcasters do you think that's the same thing because there's teams now that, that they keep their production crew home and it's a different broadcast than it would be if they were on site do you think this is the same thing
1: yeah, I think it definitely makes it more challenging, right? I mean, it's—I mean, you—you've done TV broadcast, AJ, with with both on-site and off-site production, and there is something that's lost from not being there. I mean, I think like the difference in for me as a broadcaster, I need the access, right? Because I want to be able to tell the stories that I need to tell in order to connect with the audience. For a producer and director, I think there is something to be said for having the elements of, of you know being able to, to meet face-to-face with talent before the game or be able to get a feel for the ballpark or what's happening that you lose from just having that there. I understand that there are cost cuttings that are going on around TV and radio because of the way that the world is changing and the way dollars being spent are changing. But I feel like even when you're, you're talking about producers and TV directors, when you still have to rent a truck right on site to be able to do this, the cost savings are so minimal for a team over the course of the year. I mean, listen, just, just on the broadcaster side, I don't know what it would – I mean, if, let's say you, you travel a graphics person, a producer – um, uh, a director, you travel a stage manager, right? So you might travel like four behind the scenes people. And let's say you're traveling a radio engineer um, and two radio broadcasters, right? So that's like seven people, say eight people in your traveling party, just to give it a little bit more wiggle room. I mean, the cost to do that was probably less than most of your paychecks, AJ. I mean, to be real honest, I'm not trying to be glib in this. Like it just is not that much money in the end to do it and do it right.
3: No, I agree. Uh, listen, I'm, I, I think you're right. I've, I've done broadcasts from right here where we're sitting. I've done many of mm-hmm. them where I'm watching the game on a monitor, and the game is happening somewhere else, and my partner somewhere else. There's a guy I, I, that I've a producer, Brad, Brad, Brad. I want to, I'm yeah, going to say, Brad Weimer, and I work together, yep. but it's Brad Weimer, right? Because we just had Weimer, Joey Weimer from yep. the Brewers, so it was a big confusing thing. <laughs> but Brad Weimer, right? I've worked with him for like three or four years now. I've never met him. Yeah. I've never met. It's a running joke now in Fox that Brad and I have worked together for like three or four years. And I, other than on a Zoom call, never met him in person, never seen him in person, nothing. But we talk, you know, we have a game, we'll talk all week and this and that. And it, it definitely is a different feeling when you walk in, you walk into the truck as a broadcaster, your producers there, your directors there, BA, AD, the graphics people, whoever. And they're sitting there and you go, hey guys, how's it going? Oh, what do you want to talk about in the open today? Da-da-da-da-da, you bounce things off each other. Oh, what about this graphic? What about this? Cool. Okay all right, yeah, let's go to dinner the night before and talk about something, right? It's a different feeling. It's more of a team feeling, and I get it. I get why they're doing the savings thing, but at the same time, it makes you feel better as a broadcaster when the people are there. Plus, it just feels like there's less things that can go wrong.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think troubleshooting becomes much easier, too. But I will say that having known Brad as long as I have, you're not missing anything by
4: not meeting him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Mike, so let's finish with this, Okay. Kevin Brown comes back on Friday and he's had a ton of support. Like, don't do something so dumb against a broadcaster well-respected by his peers and everybody is on their own shows for hours every day. Like, pissing off broadcasters in a way where it's a very one-sided debate does not sit well. How do you think this plays out? Because I know how petty John Angelos is. Like, does Kevin Brown come back and not say anything? Does he have to be careful about what he says because this is his livelihood? I know for a fact the Orioles pay way less than they used to for broadcasters, and there is this um, smug aura about John where he's like, "Well, there's so many people that want to do this job, I can kind of treat them like shit." So, how do you think this happened? This kind of plays out now.
1: My guess is that that. Kevin will play it very down the middle. I mean, I think I would too. I mean, listen, like there's, I was texting with another broadcaster this morning about this, just in that this attention has to be a little bit uncomfortable for him, right? Like he's a baseball broadcaster and certainly it's raised his profile, but at the same time, like you start to get concerned about how the owner that you're working for, how other owners might perceive you. I mean, and let's make this clear. Kevin has brought none of this, on himself. He has not asked for any of this attention. This is something that, um, you know, Kevin has been tough to get a hold of in in trying to stay under the radar on this. So like it, I I just think that you probably come back, you don't really address it very much. I don't think that there's much that you can do without running afoul of the guy that's making the decisions, because we've already seen that he's not a rational actor when it comes to, Uh, making decisions on whether or not somebody should be on the air. So I think you play it as straight as you possibly can, and you just try and stay out of the way as as much as as you can do that to put together a good broadcast and the broadcast that Orioles fans deserve on this exciting team. Like That's the worst part of this whole thing, right, is that like all of a sudden John Angelos made this about himself. He didn't need to do that. This team is really fun, really exciting. We shouldn't be talking about
2: their damn ownership. You're right. And we only have like a minute left. But the last thing I'll say is I do disagree with you on one point. I do not think the Orioles are the only bad offenders on this front. I've heard weird stories. And the other thing is, I've probably spoken to about five teams over the years, maybe more about job openings for their TV broadcasts. So I'm not going to point one out in particular right now. But I remember one in particular, they were going through a tough rebuild. And we had a long talk about how you would be able to sell that, which I get it. I get parts of it, right? You're not going to sit on the broadcast every freaking night for three hours and be like, we suck. We're tanking. So like, I get the conversation, but it went really, really far. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't show this when I'm sitting there with them. But eventually I'm like, I get it guys. We know that you're rebuilding right now. We know how to talk about it. I worked for the league for fucking 11 years.
1: Right. I mean, I, I think that, that's the thing is like, I just think that what they have done, like, I, I think you're right. There's probably more teams out there that would do this. I just think the level to they've, that from what I understand, the ridiculousness with, with they think that they are, that that ownership group is being put in the crosshairs is like, I don't think there's any other ownership group that feels that way about it. I'll I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I think that there is, they perceive everything as a slight against them, even if it's positive on the team, which I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense.
2: No, you're right. It's like a Stone Age mentality. Mike, awesome to have you on, dude. Great to see you on here. Thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate the time on on short notice with the story that obviously was super important to us. Yep, my pleasure. Take care. Bron Kratz, Pierzinski, and I want to sizzle right from the jump here. Hot corner time. The Angels are freezing cold. <laughs> <laughs> they are freezing. They need to touch this fire right now. They have lost seven in a row. And you know it hurts. And you know Angels fans really love me this year. I really do watch a lot of Angels baseball. They're actually not playing terribly. They're losing a lot of close games.
3: Well, they had their Jimenez, right? Their closer? Estevez. 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 Oh, sorry. Sorry. Carlos, Estevez. Carlos Estevez. Carlos Estevez. Yep. He was perfect. I know, and now it's like the, all, the trade deadline happened, and now it's like, wait, what happened?
2: He's cold. He was he was too perfect. No, I know, but for like, 23, but then in this was...
3: last week, it's like it just crumbled. Yeah, Otani's hitting homers. They can't score enough. They they go out and deal. They blow it in the ninth, like they did last night. It's like, gosh, man. I, I honestly, I feel I feel for Angels fans. I feel for Phil Nevin. I, I feel because Trout's not there, Rendon's not there. They tried though. You want teams that try to, to, to make let it pay off. You don't want to see them just have this happen. And now basically they're almost too far out of it with not enough time left and too many teams in front of them. I and mean, it's it's sad because they went for it. I listen, I give I give them credit, man. They went for it. Mm-hmm. And I and when teams go for it, you want them to see win, but oh it sucks, man, because now it's like, oh now, now we're in trouble for three or four years now because we got nobody left.
2: I know. I, I thought they their moves though were just okay. I know they tried to do something, and also it is I can say this Kratsey. It's one of those cases where really they should have sold. I'm sorry. They were not going to make the playoffs. And this was a a way to change the complexion of your franchise for a long time. Just saying. So get one in there and then we'll, uh, we'll go to Yarborough. Just didn't work out. Good. They tried. tried. (laughs) That is it. Let's get to uh, Aaron Boone's latest theatrics. You know, What two locations are really close to each other in New York? Yankee Stadium and Broadway. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Look at this guy. That's the shot. (laughs) I mean, the one thing is I've known Aaron for a while now, and I just didn't think he had all of this in him. Like, he continuously gets thrown out of games, and he's on fire. Not to mention, Kratzy, (laughs) love it, wine in the stand. Uh, the New York Post saying Boone loses it as Yanks waste so many chances and lost to the White Sox. That's a great little dab there from Boone. His kids would approve. Remember what I that said. That was a strike, by the way.
3: Remember what I said about the picture was. of like Tim Anderson, yeah. like, and he's going to sign. Aaron Boone now will see that picture.
2: You will, right? Forever. He's had a lot of tirades, though? Uh, they're good. Notable dude. tirades. He was
3: like, we're savages in that box.
2: He's entertaining. He's, he's an entertaining skipper. Look at that. And I will reiterate, if you watch back the pitch that set him off strike. to Volpe, it was a very clear-cut strike. It's one of those when you look at the box, it's not even touching the line. <laughs>
3: yeah, but there was a lot of if – if I know he, there he, were other I misses. I don't know if you follow like, the, the umpire stuff on, on – The scorecards. The scorecard yes, stuff. Laz had a rough game against the Yankees. So it wasn't that – that was just the last one. And now he didn't care if it was a striker ball. This guy got rung up looking, and guess what? It was time. And don't mess with Laz. Laz was a former Marine. Here, here it is. Plus, you know, 89%. He stayed
2: in Laz's face for a long time. I will say, um, we're looking at the scorecard mm. for Laz. He was only 89% accurate. Plus 1.59 runs for the White Sox, though. Yeah, so he was That's a big, that's towards, heavy lean towards the White Sox. You're right. You're right. That is a very heavy lean. My thing is, it does require a lot of patience. Because you're right. Laz Diaz could probably take Booney. And he's just standing there. And eventually, I think he was like, enough. Like, enough. I get it. Because he, he's in his face. He's pointing at him. I mean, if someone's doing that to you, eventually, you're going to be like, dude, I'm going to beat the shit out of you if you, well, if you stay in my face this long. So no, it takes some patience. No? No. You well, have Laz, to just stand there and take it for that long? How long? I mean, Laz was giving it to
4: him, too. Laz just wasn't like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were having a conversation. And that's what I love about Bo- Booney's tirades is he's having a full conversation with guys. He doesn't just wear one dude out and then like stay there that long. Laz is doing all that. I mean, he is, I can't wait to find out exactly what Laz was saying to him. But Booney is a great imitator. He does great home run impersonations. He does great calls, like voice calls by like different, like what would his home run call be? And for him to pull out the, The Laz home, the Laz strikeout call, or the Bob Hallian used to do. I mean, it is, it is that is up his alley. He loves a good a good theatrical performance. And Laz, (laughs) let's let's make let's make sure. I think that graphic came up, and it was sixty six percent strike called rate. Something like that, yeah. I think that's what it was. That's brutal. I think the accuracy, I think average, league average is 89%? 88. 88%? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's brutal. That whole side, he was just blind to that side.
2: And you guys know that. You're catchers. You know that.
4: I like Laz, though. I'm not going to bury Laz. No,
2: I'm saying for for the game plan, you guys know. Oh, yeah. You get an umpire scouting report before
3: the game. And it's important, right? Oh, because you can steal stuff off. If there's a guy that gives you a certain side, you're
4: definitely going to try and steal it. Mm -hmm. You use it. And Roitbitt and Cole didn't use it last night.
3: You know what was funny, though? I mean, when he drew the line, he drew the line, and then he was, I mean, I don't think he realized what his face was when he did it because it's a, that, there's so many memes, gifs, gifs, whatever they're called now. He's fun though. He, he is fun, but they're, you know,
2: he's taking way too much heat.
3: But again, we remember we talked about it earlier or
2: before know, the show. Before the show. I know what you're talking about.
3: Yeah. Sorry, not on the show.
2: Someone's got to take
3: the fall. Yes, is he starting to feel the heat for no. the team? Is he he's trying, trying to, to fire take, them up. I understand that, but he, uh, does, I mean, Chris, does an ejection really get you fired? I mean, listen, I know he was standing up for his guys. Is he starting to feel the heat from the media in New York? From Because Brian Cashman's got to be feeling
2: a little bit, He, he right? just signed like a four-year deal. Brian Who? Cashman has like a lifetime I, contract with the I, I,
3: It's okay. So then he's not getting fired? That that's Who's my the next point? on the hit
2: list? I think that's the problem here. And also, you know how much GMs get paid these days. More much you think than he's managers. making this year? GMs get more than managers now. There's a lot of GMs. There's there's at least multiple GMs that are in like the 10 mil a year range. So if cash is that, he just signed a, a four year 40. They don't let him go. They're not taking that loss.
4: There's gonna be people behind the scenes that are gonna pay for this season if they don't make the playoffs. I know you guys keep saying, ah, there's okay. no what, chance.
3: What is the Yankees? say what's there's the no Yankees, chance,
4: but it's a very low chance. What's right the Yankees'
3: now. goal every year? Kratz, you played there. Win the world series. Okay, but if that has if they don't win the world series, it's a failed year, right?
4: Yeah, but it's not the nineties anymore. We know like it's not like we know you make the world you make the playoffs, you have a chance if you can hit home runs and pitch. And they can do both. They have two well, if Rodon I mean Rodon will be healthy for September, but you you have two really good pitchers. And then you have a great bullpen. They built this team to be this way. And I really think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be like a fishman type of firing, like one of those head analytic guys, cause they're not they're not quite getting over that hump. And it's showing in, in the season right now with all these punch outs and cause they love the homer and they think the punch out's not a big deal, but it is because they had yeah, like this is the team that Cashman built. Yes. Right? Yeah. There's I mean, little yeah, more... He picks the players. Yes, on surface, yes. There is a analytical part of it. I've seen how it but works. Who's in charge
2: if... of those analytical people? I'm not. I'm not saying he's not. But those guys don't have four year deals. Let's do a little preview of tonight's matchups as we hit last minute game time. Full full slate all night games this evening. So if you hit up that game time app and you're looking for last minute seats, and we'll get to the code you got to use in just a sec. Where are we going this evening? What is your game of the night that people should look at, especially if they're in the area and go, oh, shit, flash deal. I'm going to that ballpark tonight. Where are you going? I'm going to Tampa. Oh, it's right here, which you still have to take me to a game.
3: Yeah, I'm going to Tampa. I mean, that was my lock. And St. Louis playing better, Tampa. It's you want to the see the
2: Cardinals? I don't. I know a lot of people
3: on the Cardinals. I see Wano, You know, see some people. But I looked at the rest of the slate, and that's the only one that kind
2: of stood out to me. What about Scherzer's second start with Texas? That's yeah, in Oakland though. True. Well, we could talk to Rook. Kratzy, you got anything better?
4: I mean, I I want to go where I have a where I have a K-Prop going. So I'm going to Milwaukee. I've never watched a K-Prop live game. Like, I'm always watching it on TV and like checking the app and being like, does he have it? Do I have it? But being there in in Milwaukee, a little digney sesh. I might. I might throw out the first pitch in a in the bullpen, not in the game, just in the bullpen. But, yeah, I'm going to P-Walky.
2: I like it. And then, I mean, technically for me, and I'm going to be doing an IG Live on the BetMGM mm-hmm. account, so hit up Instagram later. That's a good game. Houston against Baltimore. The all-tank teams. The all-analytics <laughs> teams. Michael Elias against his former uh, ball club. They're both good now, right? That's Sig Megdal too, who works for the O's. He, I, he worked for Houston, right, with Lunau and all those dudes. And now they've got it all running. Frambo what? against Grayson. was Mike
3: Elias the Houston guy?
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, He was in the Houston front office. Yeah. So he's he's been through it twice. So anyway, check out the Game Time app. Let's run through it for you. And if you're looking for last-minute tickets, this is the spot. As you know, we talk about them a lot because we mean it. We Really enjoy the partnership that we have with them. Uh, GameTime.co. If you're not on the app, but get the app, it's super easy to check out where you're trying to go for the evening. As you can see there at the top, I, I love sliding. Yeah, there we go. To unlock deals, which you get right there. Cheap seats and the game time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price from game time over anyone else. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time is going to credit you 110%. Of the difference so buy tickets in a matter of seconds the app is pristine you go in there two taps you're set to go tickets are sent directly to your phone so you don't have to dig through your email they make it very easy for you i felt like they basically did a case study some of the other companies and they were like um okay i don't like that i don't like that i'm gonna make it better on my own app and it's called game time redeem code ft live for 20 bucks off your first purchase download the game time app create an account and then throw that code in there for 20 bucks off. That first purchase, terms apply. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, so one thing before we hit slap hands, and then we'll run through some Brent Rookier, Nick, Rooker nickname ideas. Ratty Telez begins a rehab assignment at AAA Nashville today. That's important for the Brewers, but also important for foul territory because I miss him. We haven't had him on the show in a while.
3: By the way, I'm mad at Kratz about this. What? Kratz didn't show me the picture of his finger. What? So I saw Rowdy this weekend, or Thursday, I did a game. Oh, yeah. And he goes, did Kratz show you the picture of my finger? And I was like, yeah, I sent it. And I was like, no, why? He goes, I sent it to him. The one that got caught in the fence or whatever? Have you seen it? Did no. You see- I'm Old. saving it for the show. Are no, we gonna sh- you can't show that on the show. It's bad? You don't want people, there'll be people like passing out. Oh, my gosh. Kratz, I mean, do you
2: have the picture? Rowdy's oh. a liar. Well, okay. we knew that, well, that. We knew that. That's the guess again. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he first he,
3: So I'm standing in the Milwaukee clubhouse. And I'm talking to like Julio Tehran mm-hmm. and uh, Woody, Big Woo, Yelich, you know, because they're all playing Papa Shot. They have a Papa Shot. And oh, yeah. Rowdy comes out of the food room, surprisingly, <laughs> and he's like, hey, da, da, oh, oh, da. that's like, not how he talks. But, you know, he's just mumbo jumbo <laughs> flying at me. Mumbo And I'm like, oh, you're here. I thought you were hurt. He's like, you want to see my finger? And he had like a band. he pulls it off and he's like, it's all healed. now. I'm like, that doesn't look that bad. You missed a month because you have a bad finger. <laughs> and he's like, oh, let me show you the picture. I sent it to crowd. You didn't show you the picture? And I'm like, no. And he showed me the picture and I was like, okay, I get it. And I said, how did you do this? And he said, well, I was shagging in center field and I was trying to rob home runs. And I said, first of all, dude, dude us, fat people, life, us fat people, we don't shag. He's like, well, you don't shag. And I'm like, we don't shag. <laughs> And second of all, like you don't run fast enough. Why are you in center field anyways? You know, I'm trying to show up my athleticism. I'm like, no, dude, stay in your lane. You you go take your foregrounders at first. You hit in the second group, and you go in and get some air conditioning. It's Because bad things happen when us fat people try to do athletic things. And <laughs> sure enough, there he is. But he's coming back. He yes, learned I was his lesson BP the other day. Yes,
2: he learned his lesson. He's but not yeah, going to be right? shagging he, he in said center Prats field. Had
3: the picture, but I guess Mariana
2: Rivera learned that lesson late in his career too. I mean, he always did oh. it, but. Um, one more thing, then we'll slap Robert Murray of fan sided reporting. The Mariners are calling up top pitching prospect Emerson Hancock. He was, I believe it was 2020 was when he was selected by Seattle. So here we go. Let's go, baby. Mariners, Mariners are hot. close. They're hot. They and, are hot. And they have pitching depth. Emerson Hancock. And he's, he's had some ups and downs. I think he's been much better lately because the ERA is like in the four range, but he's good. He's got good stuff. Um, so excited for him to join already. One of the better rotations in baseball and it's young. No. Yes. Seattle's got a lot. Going they have a there. lot
3: of guys under control too. Gilbert. They,
2: yeah. They might trade Castillo. one of those guys in the offseason for like a long-term controllable woo. Ball. Woo. little woo. There you go. There's the tweet. Okay, so we'll talk more about Emerson Hancock. Maybe we'll have Baseball America give us a little breakdown. And when we find out, uh, I I don't know for sure yet. Is he starting? Is he relieving? Is there a spot for him? We'll get to that. We have plenty of time. We're on every day. Let's slap hands. Okay, Kratz hats. And I'll give you some nicknames after that.
4: From back in my Blue Jay days, I think I got like 49 at bats. Dunedin, the Blue Jays, the Florida Roast League. No, actually, it wasn't. It was just no. it was the Florida State League. Mm-hmm. It was so hot down there. Thank goodness I was only there on the Phantom DL. I
3: am, when I played against Dunedin, ooh, Juan Guzman was on, pitched against us.
4: Oh Who? wow! Mm-hmm. You age nope. yourself. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean,
3: oh he, was on the, he was on the DL at the time. He came down and pitched against us. Who? Juan Guzman. You remember him? Nasty. nasty. Not, the, not the hitter. Not
2: the hitter. I was going to say. No, nasty
3: like, pitcher for the Blue Jays. Like the late 80s, early 90s ish, mid 90s. Man.
4: He was nasty. Splitter. Huge hands, right? Booked him.
2: You got him.
4: <laughs> That's why you remembered him. That's I right. Home run that year.
2: <laughs> One of the few.
4: My only home run that year was against John Lester, Oppo Taco. Eh, sorry about it.
2: Do you like Buzzsaw? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
2: Do you like iRake? Almost oh. like iPhone, iRake? No? Uh,
4: hmm. You got to yeah. really bang
3: to have your nickname be iRake.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: That was the two you came up with? That was it? I didn't come up with those. Those are
2: the best two? Come on. It's not a great looking list. AJ's daughter's not getting this cowbell. Yeah, way to go. Disappoint my daughter. Those are not mine. I'm not taking responsibility. Now I'm gonna have to buy my own cowbell. I will come up with some some nicknames, okay? We got you, Brent. The All-Star, thanks for joining us. Brent Rooker, Ryan Yarborough, Mike Farron, Ken Rosenthal, us three dweebs. And we will see you on Wednesday on FT Live with Jesse Rogers, who is definitely oh. the writer of the week. AJ might have to like take 15 minutes I'm gonna minutes have to take off. the day off tomorrow. Jesse Rogers is on a heater. And good luck to everyone with your FT heaters. We will see you on Wednesday. Same place, You still can time. subscribe, it's still free. It is still mm-hmm. free, 99, everywhere. Do it, everybody's doing it. Hey FT Live fam, if you're new to the party on the BetMGM Sports app, enter the promo code foul. F-O-U-L, for up to $1,000 back if your first bet loses. It's simple. Ready? Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gotta use the bonus code F O U L.